Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. This time is such a wonderful, miraculous time of year, but also it can be challenging, right? I mean, it can Mm. be really rough. I remember when I was in the season of raising my kids and I really wanted to love Christmas. I wanted to so bad. I, I just, I wanted to love it. I saw other people who loved it. But the truth was, as Christmas approached, my heart was just pounding. I was just so fearful because the season overwhelmed me so much that I felt like there was no way I could do it right. And and I had to learn how to how to do Christmas and enjoy it. And I can honestly say that now I do. Now many of us can relate to what Lucille Williams just said. Christmas can be a very beautiful time, but it can also be extremely stressful. How do we get to a point like Lucille where we actually enjoy it and remember the reason for the season? Well, she'll share that with us today on Connections. We're joined today by one of our favorites, Lucille Williams. She joins us on a regular basis here. As Mike likes to say, she's not just a guest. She's now our friend. Um, Today, we have a very good conversation. We're going to be talking about Christmas. Now, this is a time where we should be relaxed and excited and happy and, you know, looking forward to all the things that come with Christmas. But this can also be a horrifying, a traumatic and not an exciting time. Tell us a little bit about your own experiences and how you've managed to get around this and find balance when we're in the midst of this chaos. Yes. Hello, Colleen. This time is such a wonderful, miraculous time of year, but also it can be challenging, right? I mean, it can Mm. be really rough. I remember when I was in the season of raising my kids and I really wanted to love Christmas. I wanted to so bad. I, I just, I wanted to love it. And I saw other people who loved it, but the truth was as Christmas approached, my heart was just pounding. I was just so fearful because the season overwhelmed me so much that I felt like there was no way I could do it right. And and as Christmas approached, what it meant is I was going to be disappointing people. And so as it would get yes. closer, I would just be, I would be like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I, I am not even kidding. At the end of Christmas, I would write little notes to myself for the following year to, that was cheering myself on. You're going to get through this. It's okay. It, don't worry. You're going to be okay. <laughs> and so that's how traumatic it was for me. And and I had to learn how to, how to do Christmas and enjoy it. And I can honestly say that now I do. But one of the biggest things that was hard for me was um, my mom. I mean, she's a sweet lady. I love my mom, but I could never make her happy. No matter what I did, it wasn't good enough. It, she was always disappointed. And I and so I knew <clears throat> that I was going to be disappointing her as the holiday came up. And so, you know, I had my parents and my husband and my kids. And, you know, who, who am I going to let down? Who's going to be disappointed? Who am I not going to do what they need me to do? And it was, oh, it was so hard. But with my mom... We always did this uh, Christmas Eve thing with my extended family. And I would, every year, I tried different things to make my mom happy. It was like, oh, you made that? Oh, mm-hmm. Lucille, my tea's cold. Uh, Lucille, why? Oh, really? That's what we're, oh, okay. And I was just like, oh, I just can't do this. But then one year I discovered that my mother loved mimosas. I'm like, <laughs> that's it. That's my aunt. <laughs> 
answer to my problem. It's mimosas. And I know that's a terrible thing as a Christian to think that that's the answer to something. And so the following year, when she came in my door, I had a mimosa ready for her. And oh, she was so happy. And from every year from then, I just had her mimosas ready. And boom, that was it. That was the answer for making my mom happy. <laughs> so sometimes you just, it's its crazy what we can all go through emotionally at Christmas time because we have sometimes, you know, when you are around family, you, you're around them more at Christmas. And if you have unresolved things with your family, mm-hmm. that's going to come out during Christmas time. So you want to celebrate and you want to be happy. But if you have that cousin or uncle or sister or brother or whatever that you haven't talked to and then they show up and it's awkward. And, and so Christmas can be hard sometimes, right? Yes. And what's nice about you bringing all this up right now is a reminder to our listeners that they're not alone. The, the, this happens to all of us. And it's not something that we should really hold back on. It's something we should actually, you know, attack and maybe try to resolve like you did with mimosas. <laughs> yeah, you never know. But that's the thing. Just because it's Christmas doesn't mean that pain and sorrow goes away. Mm. We still feel pain and sorrow and loneliness and all of those things. And because it's Christmas time, we think, well, I'm supposed to be happy. And so then we shame ourselves for feeling the feelings that we're feeling during Christmas. But what I learned to do is say, okay, I can't make everybody happy. I need to level out my expectations. It's one day, it's one season, and so I am going to revamp Christmas. And so what I did is I sat down and I said, okay, what are the things I absolutely have to do? Have to, 100% do. Got to get my kids a gift. Got to do that. Have to go to the Christmas party at church. You're not allowed to miss that. And I'd say, okay, these are my have to do's. And I, I, but anything else, I'm like, if I don't, if I don't want to make cookies, I don't have to make cookies. That was another thing. I put these unrealistic expectations on myself. And one of the things I did at Christmas time, which was maddening, and I completely stopped doing this. Well, not 100%, but I would make little like treats for people we knew. And I would like bake goods on top of everything else I was trying to do. I would make these baked goods. And then I would have my husband and kids in the car and we would drive around and I would drop it off to all the people we knew from church and friends and neighbors. And and so I'd bake these things. And then one time I was at one of my girlfriend's house and she had all these baked goods. And she goes, you know, we get all this stuff at Christmas time. We can't eat all this stuff. Like she says, what what am I going to do with all this stuff? And all of a sudden the light bulb went on. And I'm like, why am I doing this? People don't need my baked goods at Christmas time. I was killing myself. I would be up half the night making these things because I had to get these for everybody. I had to make these for everyone. I don't know where I got that in my head that I had to do that. And and they didn't even want them probably because think about it. At Christmas time, you have so much junk food and so much food. You yes. can't eat it all. And so for me to add to that, no, sometimes I'll, you know, I'll bake, but it's because I out of enjoyment. And so what I've learned to do is say, okay, I don't need to do that anymore. I need to manage what my time is. And then we sat down as a family and we said, okay, what's important? What is important for us as a family to do at Christmas? And my husband and the kids weighed in and we all talked and I discovered there was some things that I thought were really important that my family could not care about. And I'm killing myself to try to do those things. So we we said, okay, these are the things we're going to do. We started new family traditions. And one thing we did as a family, we did a 
happy birthday Jesus dinner with the yes. kids. And when my when my daughter got married <laughs> and she told her husband that we did this as kids, that when they were kids, that we did a happy birthday Jesus dinner. He just thought that was so funny. And he, he's a pastor and he laughed at her. He's like, oh, <laughs> I did what? She's like, yeah, we had a birthday cake and candles and we would sing. And he just thought that was hilarious. But our kids loved it. And it was a tradition that we did. And and we just we totally enjoyed that. So we managed what we were going to do. And the rest of the things we said, that's it. And then another thing I started doing is saying, OK, what am I going to do just for me at this time? Uh-huh. And this year it was fruitcake. I'm the only one in my family who likes fruitcake, but I'm like, I'm going to get the ingredients. I'm making myself a fruitcake and I don't care. I'm taking a whole afternoon and I baked myself a fruitcake and I'm going to be the only one eating this because nobody else <laughs> likes it, but I don't care. I, I took time to, you know, just do something for me. One year I sat in the middle of a Target with a cup of coffee right in the middle of this Christmas season, all in the crazy hustle and bustle. And I just watched everybody. But he'd be frantic. And I had so much fun just sitting there with my coffee and looking at everyone. And I'm like, I'm so glad I'm not doing that. I'm just sitting here with coffee. And I just I loved it. So that's one thing I kind of started for myself is, okay. what's the one thing I'm going to do for me and take care of me? Because as we know, if we don't take if you don't take care of you, then you can't take care of your family. you got to take care of you so you can take care of everyone else around you. And that's the part I was missing before. I wasn't making sure I was okay so that I could take care of my family. Another huge thing we do at Christmas time is we compare ourselves to everyone around. I haven't put up my Christmas tree. I don't know. This year, I am struggling to even feel any sort of joy about the Christmas season. Not sure why. Um, but the biggest thing I'm like, oh, look, so-and-so has their tree up. Look, so-and-so already has finished all their Christmas shopping. I haven't even stepped out the door. This can bring on a whole nother source of stress. Oh, yes. And then we say, look, oh, look at that tree. Look at that house. Yeah. Look what did. But you, I mean, some people are real crafty and they love to decorate. That's not me. It was my kids and my husband that put up the tree and decorated it. That's, I mean, I might help a little bit, but I, I just, that's not something that I really, I'm just not that crafty kind of person. And when you look at people that are, you compare yourself to maybe a weakness you have, but it's a strength that they have. But then like with you, Colleen, I'm sure people hear you on the radio and go, wow, I couldn't do that, but their (laughs) tree is looking pretty, (laughs) you know? (laughs) We all have our strengths that, you know, that we are good at. But even when it comes to comparison, too, I can quite often see like people comparing overall, like, hey, look, they've got their whole family. I'm sitting here with myself or, hey, look at that. They've got all of this. You know, like the comparison can go on in so many different ways at Christmas time and it can really draw you down. That is so true. But we have no idea what's going on behind those closed doors Mm. you know sometimes the more people the more chance for conflict you know I was joking around with somebody I'm from an Italian family we were talking about Christmas and um, Sunday morning there was a group of us and we were all talking about what our Christmas traditions was and I said you know it's really not Christmas unless there's some kind of family fight like in my family Like, yep, it's Christmas. People are fighting. I mean, not my immediate family, my my husband, my kids, we all get along pretty well. But if you bring in the extended family like years mm. ago, like forget about it. Like we're going to you know this someone's going to get in a conflict with someone because you put everybody in a room and things happen. So you just never know what's going on in a family. Everyone's got their stuff. 
everyone, everyone. And that's one thing, like when you're in ministry, being married to a pastor, you see people around church and there've been people that I've seen and go, wow, that their life is perfect. Everything is so good. And then the next week they're asking to meet with me and my husband and they sit down and they're like, oh, I'm struggling so bad. And my husband and I were on the verge of divorce. And you're like, what? Like, you can't believe that that's what's happening because on the outside, everything looks pretty and, you know, there's a bow on it and everything's great. But really inside some other stuff is going on. And that's one thing I've learned being in ministry. You don't know what's going on with people a lot of times. Stop comparing, really. Uh, you mentioned family a little bit at the beginning. And, you know, when we bring Christmas or when holidays come around, we get that extended family. It's an even, I want to, I don't want to say challenging year, but it's going to be a different year because for two and a half years, we really, I, I mean, up here in Canada, we haven't really been able to have that extended family at Christmas time. It's a whole new world. We've all kind of changed. Our personalities have changed going into uh, the pandemic and coming out of it. How that do we look so at that and how do we like prepare ourselves for that? One thing that I've seen through the pandemic is people who had a hard time setting boundaries with their family through the pandemic, they were like, nope, you can't come over because of COVID. Nope, I'm not doing that because of COVID. Now, I'm not saying that wasn't a real reason. I'm just saying it gave people the courage to say, this is when you're allowed to come to my home and this is when you're, I'm not going over there. Whereas before, a lot of times, sometimes with family, we don't know how to say, no, that's not a good time. You know, this is with, with our family, with my kids and um, my husband and I, with our three adult children, we all are very respectful of each other's homes. Like I don't just call my daughter and say, hey, I'm going to pop in today. No, I don't do that. I call her up and say, hey, can I come over? I'll send her a text. You know, what are you doing? Can I come over? And, um, you know, my son who's out of state, I don't just say, hey, I'm coming this week and I'm going to be there for two weeks. I, I, I ask, hey, is it okay if I come and make sure it's okay with your wife, you know? And, and so we ask each other. They do the same thing. They call and say, hey, mom and dad, is it okay if we swing by tomorrow? None of us just you know, barge in on each other's lives. We ask. And some families don't do that. And I think what the pandemic did is people are saying, well, they're set, you know, like I've heard of some really crazy things where grandparents only look through windows at windows at their grandkids for a very, very long time. And I think to myself, hmm, is that the kids finally setting some boundaries with their parents? It's like it gave them the leverage to say no. And so I think sometimes now with um, now that COVID's over, now we're faced with the, okay, what, what kind of boundaries do I want to set? And, you know, now people are coming back into our homes and into our lives and we're seeing people more often. And I think it's okay to still have boundaries and to say, you know what, today's not good. And that's a hard thing to say to your mom or dad when they say they want to come over. But if we said that this is our home and you're an invited guest and, you know, you need permission, you can't just <clears throat> barge into our home. I think that's a good, you know, kind of family rule to have. Um, and we throw kids into all of this and the chaos. You know, we, we bring kids into every conversation we have with you, obviously, because you're a pro when it comes to that. Throw kids into Christmas and you've got yourself a big old mess. Yeah. And, and, and extra so, stress. Yeah, absolutely. And kids are still going to misbehave. And especially when you add sugar to it 
Like, you know, there's times where my grandkids will be over and my daughter's like, I don't know why they're acting this way. Well, maybe it was the little, you know, candies and cookies they've been eating all day. It's like you can't get upset with your kids when they're on sugar overload. You just got to give them a pass, really, because, you, I mean, it, when they start having a when they start having things they don't normally have and they're out of their routines, you're going to you have to expect behavior is going to change. I have the impossible kid like you and uh, I'm dreading. I'm dreading the family gatherings this year because his personality has changed uh, since he was three years old and last celebrated Christmas with the extended family. So I'm terrified of what's what's ahead of us and what may come out of this. Sometimes as parents, we look at our kids and we say, OK, that's a marker of what kind of parent I am. If they're mm-hmm. acting, a certain... this is a long game. I'm telling you, Colleen, t- 10 years from now, no one's going to care that your little darling had a little fit on Christmas. They're going to laugh about it. You're going to care on that day because you're going to be embarrassed. But you have to go, okay, this is just one day. They're a kid. They're going to act like a kid. They get to be who they are. And that's a kid. Let them be who they are. And it's no reflection of the, you know, a person's parenting. Like I tell, I tell my kids all the time, it's not what your kid does. It's what you do. It's how you react to them. Now, if your kid's throwing a fit and you start screaming and yelling and throwing things, well, yeah, mm, that's not so good. But if they're throwing a fit and you're calm and you're going, oh, well, that's that's just what they do, then, I mean, it shows what a great parent you are. And we cannot judge our parenting based upon instances that our children do. They're going to act up. They are children. Each one of my kids embarrassed me so bad. Um, You know, one of my kids had boogers in a vial one time and he pulled it out. (laughs) It's like we were dropping off a meal at a pastor's house. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like if I was judged on his little boogers in his vial that he was so proud of. Look at my booger collection. I I wasn't a bad parent. He was a little kid. And that's what little boys do. So, you know, when your kids act a certain way, you just have to say they're children. That's what they do. Their their routines are messed up. They've got all these family members wanting to touch them and kiss them and people they haven't seen. And they're, you know, on the spotlight. And that's hard. And just give them a pass. But more importantly, give yourself a pass. Let your kids act up a little bit. So what? You just, you address it as a parent, of course, but it's not a measure of what kind of parent you are. The measure comes many years down the road. And, and if they are a good human, and if you have a relationship with them, those are the things that are going to matter in the long run, not if they threw a fit or they didn't have perfect behavior. Or I remember one time we had family over for a meal and one of my kids took food and hauled it across the room, just took it from their plate and threw it. And um, it was my father-in-law and brother-in-law. And they looked at us like, oh, and Mike and I looked at each other. And we just started laughing. <laughs> like, yep, he threw food. So what? So what? It's not the end of the world. You know, just laugh at those things. What's your biggest life lesson um, at the end of the day when it comes to Christmas, when it comes, uh, I want to say not only life lesson, but faith lesson um, when it comes to Christmas time and overload and finding balance? Yeah, is to love yourself and love people. Because does it, it's, God says, love the Lord God, what Jesus said, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second commandment was love others as you love yourself. That starts with loving ourselves. Sometimes we miss that. We have to love yes. ourselves and then love others the way we love ourselves. If we don't love ourselves well, how are we going to love others well? We're to love others as we love ourselves. 
For those interested in learning more about you, learning more about everything that you do, tell us how we can find all of that. I could be found at lusays.com, L-U-S-A-Y-S. And I have a new book coming out. It doesn't release till April, but it's on pre-order. Turtle Finds His Talent, Discovering How God Made You Special. And it's for little kids. And I'm very excited about that. I just got an advanced copy yesterday. So I'm just Mm. over the about it. (laughs) Thank you so much for making time for us. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.